Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. What a beautiful day to be in church. I'd like to welcome all those watching online and watching on demand. And I'd like to say to you watching online, join us for an in-person service real soon at one of our campuses. And if you'll do that, I promise you'll meet some of the finest people in all of Augusta, Georgia. I can guarantee you that. You know, I like to start with something funny. And this week I went back to the vault because there's some funny, funny things hanging out in the vault. Did you hear about the little girl that went to her mother and she was struggling of where she came from? And she said, Mom, where did the human race come from? And she said, Oh, honey, um, it, we came from Adam and Eve. God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden. And that's where we came from. Well, then she went to her dad and asked the same question. And she said, he said, oh, honey, says, uh, we evolved from monkeys. And she was really confused. So she goes back to her mom to tell her mom what the daddy said. And she said, oh, honey, I, let me say this. She said, I told you about my side of the family. He told you about his. But today we're starting a brand new series called Generational Faith. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of folks um, in all the commercials about Ancestry.com and people who are really moving into searching out their genealogy. Uh, For a lot of people, uh, they're doing this. In fact, 27 million people have already done that. They've ordered the kit. They've gotten the little vial, spit in the vial, and sent off their DNA uh, to some group of folks. In fact, New York Magazine did a story on this uh, a few months ago and said it's the fastest growing hobby in America. Now, you've seen the commercials and you have to wonder, okay, what are they looking for? What are they really looking for when they send off and get a part of this genealogy search? I think some people are looking for maybe that, that wealthy relative that they didn't know they had. Maybe some are looking for a long-lost cousin or a long-lost brother or sister But I think if you really pull back the curtain, so many people are looking to find their true identity. They're looking to find their true identity because deep inside every person uh, is a set of questions and we we struggle with who am I and what is my purpose and and is there any intentionality, what have I been created to do? And somewhere along the way, we've begun to think that by learning our past, we can understand where we're headed. We tend to believe that knowing our roots will show us a a picture of our future selves. However, the truth of the matter is you're not going to find the answers to those deep questions, you know, from ancestry.com and from that, that form you've filled out on uh, black Friday. It's just not going to happen that way. But if you will, take those same questions that you have and you turn them toward the Lord and you put your faith in him, God's going to show you that you've been created in his image. Today, we're starting this series called Generational Faith. And the very foundational verse for this series can be found in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. For it says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he earnestly and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God wants you to seek him. God wants you to put faith, your faith, your trust in him. You see, you are made by God and you are made for God. And until you understand that, you'll never really understand your purpose on this earth. Now, the big idea for the series is simply this. When you put, your, when you put God first in your life and in your family, you'll leave a legacy on earth and in eternity. When you put God first in your life and in your family, you're going to leave a legacy here on this earth, and you're going to leave a legacy in, in eternity. In this series, we're going to focus on three characters in the Bible that had truly a generational faith. We're going to talk about Noah, we're going to talk about Abraham, and we're going to talk about Moses. Today, today's message is going to focus on Noah's story. The very next verse, we talked about uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Now let's look at the next verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now, to understand Noah's story, we have to go back to the very beginning. We go back to the garden, the Garden of Eden. Now, in the Garden of Eden, there were no issues, and there were no sadness, and there were no problems. It was just pure perfection. It was a a paradise. But man messed it up. People made mistakes. And as times pass, every kind of problem developed. Murder and jealousy and cheating and dishonesty and adultery. And the list goes on and on and on. And what we see with each passing generation, things got worse. To the point it became a world of violence where nobody felt completely safe. Eventually, the Bible says that God felt sad about creating the earth. So he decided to start over. He looked down, he could only find one righteous man, and his name was Noah. Now, the story of Noah and the ark is probably one of the most well-known stories in all of the Bible. I mean, if you've never been to church, if you've never read the Bible, you've probably heard about Noah and his ark, Noah and this floating zoo. You've learned how the animals came into that boat two by two. There were two tigers. There were two bulldogs. There were two gamecocks that that went up that ramp. And those gamecocks were proud. They were thrilled. They were a little cocky because they realized that football season was over and basketball season is here. They realized that cocky is pretty good in basketball. In fact, check the scores from yesterday and you'll know what I'm talking about. Now, most people know the animal stories. They know about how uh, the animals came in two by two and how they floated uh, across the, the rains came and they floated across the waters and the water receded and they left. And then a rainbow appeared and God gave a promise that he would never destroy the earth with a great flood again. 
That's the summary of the story. But there's much more to the story than that. The flood was God's response to what was really going on in the world. You see, people in those days were living without restraint. People in those days were living for their their own selves. They were too busy about drinking, eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. They were living for the weekend. They were having a good time. But somewhere along the way in this process, they just edged God out. They just pushed God out of their lives. And as a result, the evil in the world kept increasing generation after generation until it came to a point where nobody felt safe. In Genesis chapter 6, we pick up the story. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of hum, the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I've created. And with them, the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. Now, we're in a series called Generational Faith. And hear this. This conversation with Noah and God started to develop ten generations from the beginning. They were only ten generations from Adam and Eve. And it was already a mess. In 10 generations, they moved from paradise to perdition. Why is that? Because they failed to pass their faith down to the next generation. We have this responsibility that the faith that we have received, the faith that we cherish, that we must pass that down to our children and to our grandchildren, and to those in our community. We have this responsibility to pass it on. And they failed to do that. And God looked down and saw the prevailing darkness. But in this prevailing darkness, there was one man whose light uh, shined in the darkness. And his name was Noah. He stood there. He was pure. The Bible says he was righteous. This man stood alone in the midst of this dark and prevailing world. In verse 8, it says, but Noah found grace. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And God spoke to Noah and said that, Noah, judgment is coming. And this judgment that's going to come upon the earth will come in the form of a flood. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about judgment. Now, when I talk about judgment, I am talking about the moment that God calls uh, the people into account for their lifestyles and their decisions. It's literally a day of reckoning. It's when God decides if their actions are right or wrong. One day, you and I, all of us here, we're going to stand before the Lord, and we're going to give an account of our one and only life. We're not going to give an account of our friends' lives or our people down the street, but it's going to be just you and I. We're going to stand there. 
and give an account. There's going to be a, a, day, of, a re, day of reckoning. And there's going to be consequences for our actions. Now, when we think about this and we think about God's judgment, it typically does four things for us. First of all, for me, it frightens us. It frightens me. And I think it should. When we see what happened to people who disregard what God's word says, it should make us think twice about how we're living our lives. It should make us think twice about the decisions that we're about to do. But not only does it frighten us, it should uh, sober us. It, it, it forces us to, to really reassess the way we've been living, and hopefully it forces us to change our uh, priorities. You know, when you sober up, you start to see things different. You start to see things more clearly. And when we think about the judgment of God or standing before the judgment seat of Christ, it should sober us up and cause us to think differently. The third thing, it humbles us because God's judgment strips away any type of self-righteousness. And it reminds us how sinful we are. And that we cannot save ourselves, but we need a Savior. And the final thing, it reassures us. It reassures us because in the final judgment, there will be justice in the universe. You know, oftentimes we see things happen uh, throughout the week and we read the newspaper maybe or uh, we hear the news and we think, that ain't right. Where's the justice in this? One day there's going to be justice. We want people to be treated fairly. We want people who deserve judgment to receive their judgment. One day the world is going to be held accountable and there will be justice. Now let me say this. God will settle his accounts, but God, always, God doesn't always settle his accounts at the end of the week or at the end of the month, or in the end of the quarter. But eventually, God will settle the accounts. And so we have to understand that. Um, there's a day of reckoning coming, and Jesus said this in, in Luke chapter 8, and verse 17. It says, for, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. There's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be made known or brought out into the open. So those things that have been hidden uh, will eventually just be brought out in the open. And that's my prayer. I pray, God, expose the corruption. God, the corruption that is going on behind the scenes. God, expose the corruption and allow righteousness peace, and joy to prevail. And that's what we pray. We pull down strongholds of the enemy, and we ask God to establish righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, when Peter was looking back and thinking about the life of Noah, he called Noah a preacher of righteousness. When Noah learned that there's a flood coming, he challenged the people to turn and follow the Lord Noah stood up and preached righteousness. He called them into account. He said, come and follow the Lord. There's judgment coming. There's a flood coming. But not only did he preach righteousness, but he also rolled up his sleeves and he went to work. He got his sons and they started building. 
Not only did he hear the word, but he heeded the word. He said he wanted to be involved in making a difference, and he stepped out in faith. And that's why our target verse is verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, the things that were coming, in holy fear, in reverence, in fear, he built an ark. Why did he build the ark? To save his family. He built an ark to save his family, and by his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So building that faith, uh, building that ark was just the first step of faith for him. He wanted to do that to save his family. And it was a step of faith because you've got to understand what was going on in the culture. Scholars tell us that when he started building the ark, the place he built it, it was hundreds of miles from the nearest ocean. And do you realize up until that point, it had never rained on the earth before? Think about that. He is building an ark, and he said, yeah, there's a flood coming, and there'd never been rain on the earth. You say, where does that come from? We look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth, and streams watered the whole surface of the ground. It had never rained. But we know that it was like a tropical environment, so we know it had to receive water some way. That's why archaeologists have found uh, fossils of tropical plants on top of a mountain that's covered in snow. You see, when the flood came, it changed the atmosphere. When the flood came, it changed the climate. Some of you are hearing the words climate change, and you think this is something new to your generation. No. Climate change has been in in place since uh, the flood came, because the flood came and changed the climate. Climate change is nothing new. And in fact, listen to this, in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 37, it says, As was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. When Jesus comes back, we'll have some of the same things going on that Noah had to face. So one sign of the second coming of Jesus will be climate change. So let's talk about climate change for a moment. I believe that we're to be good stewards of what God has given us, that we're to be good stewards and we are to treat this land in an honorable way so that the next generation can enjoy the benefits. But there is a false narrative in our world that promotes the idea that you can slow down or you can do something to stop climate change. That narrative is false. It's arrogant and it's atheistic to think that something you can do to change what God has already put in order is complete arrogance. It's complete arrogance. And the group leading this, this climate initiative has become like a cult that they're worshiping the earth instead of the one who created the earth. 
And we have to be on guard because you see the, the media has, has drank the Kool-Aid. And, and they promote this as if it is something that is true. Now, let me say this. Climate change is true. But the fact that you can do something to stop the hand of God is not true. Can I just be practical for a minute? I'm, I'm, I guess this is going down a rabbit trail. What I want you to do, especially when you listen to the news, okay? I want you to use your good old common sense. Don't doubt the common sense that the Lord has given you. So many times we check our brains out at the door. We need to have common sense. And when we hear a story, say, really? That just doesn't make sense to me. And if you're thinking that that just doesn't make sense to me, you're probably on the right track. Because a lot of things just don't make sense. Okay, here's a practical. Let's talk about our presidents. Okay, the last three presidents, President Biden, President Trump, and uh, President Obama. Three guys that have something in common. You say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can know the first, no, no, not, they don't have anything in common. Yes, they do. You know what they have in common? All three of those, President Biden, President Trump, and President Obama, have beach houses. Very practical. They own a beach house. Okay, don't you think that, this is a rabbit trail, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Don't you think that they have been given the wisdom of the world and have the greatest scientists ever at their disposal? They're the president of a superpower. They have all the wisdom at their fingertips. If they really believe that the sea levels were rising to the point that the, the, uh, the shore is going to go off into the sea, do you think they would invest millions of dollars of their own money to buy a beach house? I just said be practical. Does it make common sense? So what they're saying is, they're saying is, you know, um, I better not say what they're saying. <laughs> I thought that's probably enough right there. (laughs) I'm just saying, God has given you wisdom. God has given you his spirit. Just be led of the spirit and just understand uh, just common, good, old, common sense. Just do that. Now, what did you hear me say? I'm saying that there is something called climate change. And we see some effects of that. And we see things like uh, maybe increased wildfires. Okay? We see an overactive hurricane season. Okay? Now, we see those, and, and they will tell you it's because of climate change. But here's what I would say. The Bible tells us that in the last days that the earth will be groaning and longing for redemption. The earth is crying out. The earth is groaning. So when I see an increase of storms and an increase of wildfires, it is like the earth is crying out for the day of redemption because there is coming a day that heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand true forever. And the earth is crying out, longing for that day of redemption. 
Back to the story, Noah stepped out in faith, started building an ark. He stepped out. Nobody in the community understood him, believed him, but he believed God. Here's the point. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the next step. So what's the first step? What what does he have to do? Well, he needs lumber. It's not like that he could go out to Home Depot or he would go to Lowe's to buy lumber. He had to literally cut trees down and then prepare uh, wood from those trees so that he could build this ark. That's why it took decades and decades to build the ark. Today in Kentucky, there's a ministry called Answers in Genesis, and they recreated Noah's ark in a life-size rendition of it. Uh, Here's a picture of the ark they built in Kentucky. It's huge. Now, anybody here, has anybody seen that? Okay, a few of you. That's one of those things, I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. It's like, I want to see that because I think uh, it would give you a whole different perspective. It's amazing when you think about Noah built that ark without sophisticated tools. Noah built that ark uh, without a lot of resources. All he had was his family. And as he built it, he was convincing people to follow the Lord. I would imagine also that that probably there were other people that helped them build the ark. I would imagine some people probably helped them uh, cut down trees and maybe something was really heavy and the, the boys couldn't handle it and, hey, go get the neighbors. We need to lift this. Up. I would imagine just very practically there's other people involved in that. Oftentimes, the church is considered to be a type or shadow of the ark. And so in the church, in Christ's church, we are in a place of safety in the storm. And so we're in the ark of safety, the, that. I believe there will be some people who help build churches, but they never experience the church. And so we have to be on guard that, you know, everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is not going to be one that will enter into the kingdom. It's not about those things that we do. It's about following the Lord in a tender and surrendering to him. So I would imagine that there were workers in Noah's day that worked on the ark, but they never went into the ark. Okay, let's pick it up. They were skeptical. Noah continued to preach. And there came a day when God ushered them into the ark and the Lord shut the door. And then the rain came. You know the story. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and water covered the earth for 150 days. I am sure along the way, Noah's friends and neighbors were banging on the door saying, let me in, let me in. But they couldn't get in because God had shut the door. They had a moment in time that they could have gotten in, but it was too late. Judgment had come, and God had shut the door. I would imagine some people were working in the fields and and they look up and saw the water coming, but it was too late. I would imagine some people were at home eating dinner and uh, saw the water wash their houses away, but it was too late. But Noah and his family were ready and they were safe. Look at Genesis 7. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. 
People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. Next chapter, verse 1. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark and sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. God remembered God, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He sent a wind, and that wind blew the water, and that big floating zoo landed on Mount Ararat. And, and Noah came out of that uh, boat after being in there 150 days. And the first thing he did, he built an ark. The, when he first thing, when he uh, got out, he built an altar. He built an altar to sacrifice to the Lord, to say, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for protecting my family. Thank you for seeing us through. And he offered, he gave himself, and he he gave an offering. When we offer to the Lord, it represents a a complete surrender. We're, We're saying dedicate, we're worshiping God here. You know, God has given us safety in the church, in his church. Christ and his church. And that's why we come in week after week and we give an offering. We offer up thanksgiving. We offer up worship. We bless the name of the Lord. Here's the point. When you offer your life to God, he gives you purpose and meaning. So many people start out on this quest to discover their ancestry because they're looking for purpose. They're hoping that their past can show them what the future will be like. But you find purpose and meaning in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you sacrifice your life. You give, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my future. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving it to you, Lord. You know, the interesting thing, it is a sacrifice. We we sacrifice our lives. But you know, God takes what we sacrifice and then he multiplies that. And he pours out blessings so much that you can't even contain all of them. Nothing you ever give to the Lord comes back just as you have given it. But he takes what you've given and he multiplies it 30, 60, 100 fold. So God responded to Noah's sacrifice. Next chapter, chapter 9. And God said to Noah, I establish my covenant with you and never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood and never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. We're talking, we're in a series called Generational Faith. This is a covenant for all generations to come. This is a covenant for me and you. I've set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So every time you see a rainbow in the clouds, it is God speaking to you, saying that, remember, I saved Noah and his family, and I have a way of salvation for you. When we see a rainbow, it should give us hope. Noah built an ark to save his family. Now, this story tells us that God will never destroy the earth with a flood. And so we have that confidence. But let me say this, floods still come. Rains still come. 
And there are some of you that have been washed away in a flood. And I really feel like what this message reminds us is that, yes, we're going through this storm. We're going through this difficulty. But this difficulty is not going to be our final chapter. This difficulty, this problem is not going to be our epitaph. That God is going to see us through because he's promised us that the flood is not going to take us out. But you are going to have a flood. A flood's coming. And when the flood comes, you're going to need an ark of salvation. You're going to need an ark of safety. That's why you need Christ in the church. When the flood comes, you're going to need the promise of his word. That we're standing and building our lives on the scriptures, on his word. It's a solid foundation. When the flood comes, you're going to need a a way of escape. A flood's coming. A flood is coming. And your flood may be when you walk into the doctor's office and he reads to you your diagnosis. And it comes and it hits you like a flood. But you walk out saying, yes, by his stripes, I am healed. And I receive that in faith in Jesus' name. When the flood comes, it may be you walking into your boss's office and he gives you the bad news that the higher-ups are closing your department and you no longer have a job. And you walk out and you recognize that he is the one that will provide, that I serve Jehovah Jireh and he is my provider. I know that he will meet my needs according to his riches and glory. And we stand on that. And you may not understand what's happening and I may not understand what's happening, but I have this confidence that God is on the throne and he will see me through. That when we can't, he can. And when we don't know, he knows. And when we don't have an answer, he has an answer. And so we come to the place where we want to put our faith, put our trust, put our confidence in the Lord. Because there's a flood coming. There's a flood coming. And I want you to hear this. You cannot start building your ark when the rain comes. You cannot start the process. You can't start building an ark when the rain comes. You've got to build it today. You've got to build it before the storm. You've got to have faith today. That's why Jesus said today is the day of salvation. God has brought you here so that you have one more chance to get in the ark before he shuts the door. Because the storm's coming. The rain's coming. And I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. And one day, you will stand before God. And there will be an accounting. It will be a day of reckoning. But here's the good news. I'll tell you what's going to happen. God's going to ask two questions. And some of you have heard me say this before. This is a final exam. This is your final exam that you'll stand before the Lord and he'll ask two questions. What are the questions? First of all, he's going to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? That's a real question. Why should I let you into heaven? 
And your answer is because I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's, that's the answer. It's not of works. All the things you've done. I've tried to be a good pe- a person. I've, tried to, I've given to the United Way. I've given to uh, the Salvation Army. I worked at the Dream Center. Not of works of righteousness should any man boast. But it's about putting your faith in Jesus as your Savior. You said, okay, I get that. What's the second question? The second question is this. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? This is a question about stewardship. God has entrusted you with talents and abilities and and passions and experiences, resources. What'd you do with that? What'd you do with what he gave you? Those are the two questions. And so how would you do? If you were to stand before God today, would you pass the entrance test? Why should I let you in? Well, I've got good news. I'm going to lead you through that process, and you're going to pass the test. Let's stand together. This is a moment. This is a moment where decisions will be made that will affect not only you and your future, but I believe it will affect the generations that follow you. We're talking about a generational faith. And what you'll see through these weeks that God is a generational God. You'll hear about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the generations. And you are making decisions today that will have a positive impact on the generations that will come after you. Because surrendering your life to Jesus will change everything. It will redirect your family's uh, direction, your family's life. And so this is an important thing, and I just want you to be prepared for that. I'm not here to scare you. I'm telling you, this is not about that at all. I'm I'm here to inform you. I can't make you do anything. I just want to preach the word and let you respond to the Lord's promptings. And today is the day. Of salvation. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation. I pray for those watching online right now. I pray, God, that your presence would be so strong in this room that we would sense your presence. And Father, there are people listening to me today that have never made a decision to follow Christ or for whatever reason, they've just kind of edged you out of their lives and, and they've uh, gone on their own. But today is a day of turning. Today is a day of repentance. Today is a day of confessing. Today is a day of making things right. And so if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Say that, Jesus, forgive me. Say this, say, Jesus, save me. Pray this, say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I give you my life. Fill me with your presence. I receive your salvation. Head still bowed. How many of you just prayed that prayer with me? Let me see your hands across this room. Yes. 
Yes, yes, across this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you'd bless them. And I also pray, Lord, for all the families represented here. God, we heard this story where Noah built an ark to save the family. I am praying for families right now. I am praying, God, that you would protect families here. To those of you that have children that have yet to accept Christ or wayward children who are prodigals, I am praying for you right now. Father, touch the prodigals. Touch the prodigals and and prompt them to come home. Father, I'm praying for families, God, that are going through difficult seasons. It's like the flood has come. And that flood is that diagnosis. That flood is maybe that chemotherapy or that cancer scare. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing and wholeness to the family. I pray for the families now, Lord, that are in chaos. They're in chaos because a loved one has passed. They're in chaos because they're carrying grief because uh, of a family member that's no longer here. So come, Lord, I ask that you would be close to the brokenhearted. I pray for those families that are in chaos because of infighting and, and there's disagreement and there's hurt feelings between mom and dad or between uh, parent or child or between the siblings. Come, Lord, I pray for peace right now. So just start praying for your family. Just say this, God, bring peace to my family. God, bring peace to my family. God, we thank you for what you're doing. I pray now for those families that are behind on their payments. They're struggling financially. God, I ask that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. God, that you would give a relief in their suffering. Give them relief in Jesus' name. Now, Father, to all of this, we're going to pray this in unison. Say, say, Father, I receive what you have for me. So let's say that again. Say, Father, I receive what you have for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To those that prayed that prayer, I want to say welcome to the family of God. If you'd like to take your next step, you can text the word decided uh, to that church number 706-222-7123, or you can stop by the Welcome Center and they've got some information for you. Thanks so much for being here. We'll continue this series uh, next Sunday. Be blessed. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.